Welcome to Living Faith United Methodist Church. We are located on 53 Grove Street in Putnam, Connecticut. Our worship service is at 10 a.m. on Sundays. As you listen to this message, we pray that you are blessed and discern how you can serve our God and neighbors. If you want to know more about our church and how you can be part of ministries of mission and outreach, please visit our church website at livingfaithumc.net. Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 33 to 37. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The word of God for the people of God. Let the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This past summer, I was driving on the Providence Pike, and I saw a new building still in construction next to CVS. And the sign said, the king is coming. Well, I thought for a second, they could be the sign of a new church starting this town. But it, was, it turned out later that it was the new store of Burger King. How many of you have been to that store so far? No, <laughs> shake your head. Uh, well, to get the words out that they're starting a new store in Putnam, they put the sign out there and said, the king is coming. Which I thought that kind of was kind of like, Kind of religious when I saw the sign, but uh, you know, the liturgical calendar for today, the Sunday today is called Christ King Sunday. Christ the King Sunday is usually celebrated on the last Sunday of the liturgical year. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. It's a season of hope and anticipation that leads to the Christmas in December. And we know that people are growing excited as they are like the see many luminaries in the houses and the town. People go shopping for the Christmas gifts for their families and friends. And we listen to the Christmas carols on the radio. But the text that we hear this morning 
does not seem to reflect the much excitement and joy. On this Christmas, the King's Sunday, we hear about Jesus who stands before Pilate in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, who asks, Are you the King of the Jews? When we say that today the Christ the King's Sunday, some of us might be curious why we don't I mean why we even hear Jesus as our king. Why do we need king, Jesus as our king? For many Americans, the image as Jesus as a king might seem irrelevant to us because America has not had a king since the end of the American Revolutionary War in 1783. There are still other countries such as the United Kingdom, Sweden, Thailand, and Tonga, they have their kings or queens. But if we ask why we need a king or a queen in the 21st century, the people in these countries might answer that the king or queen is important in terms of the symbol of your unity, tradition, or even revenue. They come from the tourist. Nevertheless, for many modern minds, it's difficult to imagine having a king or a queen when we live in a democracy in which we are all equal to each other. Even for Christians like you and me, the image of Jesus as king might be a problematic. Speaking as Jesus as a king sounds like a patriarchy where the king possesses all the wealth and power ready to punish anyone who challenges his authority and governance. So theologians like Adam Maria Isas Diaz replaces the word of kingdom of God with kingdom of God, like K-I-N. Jesus called his disciples, his friends, not servants anymore in John chapter 15, so the word the kingdom, like K-I-N, emphasizes the kinship, being relational, and being in the family of God. Or some people prefer to call it today the reign of God Sunday. When we consider why we celebrate Jesus as our king, I believe that it is insightful for us to go back and the story why the Israelites demanded a king in the first place. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, the Bible tells us that all the elders, the leaders of Israel, came to Samuel, the prophet and the priest, and told him that you are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Samuel was not happy to hear this, and he prayed to God. Upon his praying, God answered to Samuel and said, It's not you that they rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. They have done this from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until today, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing this to you. So listen to them, but warn them what their king will do to them. So this is what Samuel told these people, the consequence of having their king over their nation. He said, 
This is what the king will claim as his right. He will take your sons and send them to the war. He will take your daughter and make them perfumer cooks and bakers. He will take your fields and vineyards. He will take a tenth of your possession as his tax. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you might even become his slave. Someday you will cry out to God asking to save you from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer that day. Is it still what you want? He asked. And the people answered, Yes, we want a king over us. Then we will be all like other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. In the history of Israelites, God was the king over the people. God created people in the, in the world in the beginning. God called ancestors, Abraham and Sarah, to the promised land. God saved Jacob and his family from the famine that was coming, and God sent them to the land of Egypt through Joseph, who was sold as slave. As the people became slaves on the Pharaoh and cried out for delivery, God listened to them and sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt. God led God's people through the wilderness for 40 years and helped them win the battles as they entered the promised land. So God was their king. God is the one who provided them with the food and drink and fought the battle for them and gave the law to obey as a sign of God's people. But people wanted to have an earthly king whom they could see with their eyes, even if they knew that the king would oppress them, treat them unjustly, even exercise violence. So Walter Brugman, a Hebrew Bible scholar, comments that the request of Israelites for their king is a sign of their distrust in God as their leader and ruler. In the United States today, of course, we don't have an official king. But I believe that all of us have some kind of king or queen that we establish and we surrender our will to it. We give our allegiance to it or even give our lives for it. Some people, so many people, we worship the capitalism as our king to rule and and order economic structure. In the free market system, the rich often becomes richer and the poor stays also become poorer. With the money becoming the ultimate means of happiness, people discard not just their social responsibility and morality, but also biblical moral law as long as they have their jobs and homes. Sometimes our political party becomes a king or a queen that we give our ultimate allegiance and support it. Even willing to exercise violence and oppression to the weak and marginalized in society. As long as we are given some sense of security, stability, and we have the power and the control. As we engage all these things going on around us. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus was standing before the Pilate. 
for trial. Jesus stands on the court arrested, accused of promoting political and religious disturbance. Pilate, who represented Caesar, the Roman emperor, asked Jesus, Are you the king of Jews? And Jesus looked at him and said, Is that your own idea, or did others talk to you about me? And Pilate replies, Am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answers, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place, he said. Pilate interrogates Jesus because he wants to know if Jesus is a threat to the Roman Empire. He wants to know if Jesus will take up some weapons and lead his people and revolt against the Roman Empire. At least that was what Judas, the disciples of Christ, wanted to see happen with his movement as he saw so many people followed him around. But Jesus answers that his kingdom is not of this world. While the elderly kingdom uses violence to subdue its people, threatens to lock them in jail, the kingdom of God was present when Jesus healed the sick, fed the hungry, forgave the sinners, ate with the tax collectors, drove the demons out, and performed the miracles. While the Roman Empire threatened anyone who did not conform to its politics and with the violence, the kingdom of God belongs to the poor in spirit and those who are persecuted because of the righteousness of God. But some people might argue that Jesus' answer indicates the separation between the state and the church. Barbara Lundblad, a preaching professor from Union in New York, argues that to proclaim Jesus as our king is a subversive act. She gives a story about one of her students who was an Anglican priest from South Africa. During the class of preaching, she, he shared the story about what it was like to lead through apartheid in his country. He said, our whole congregation one day was arrested for refusing to obey the government. When Lundblad thought that she misheard him, he went on to say that all 240 members of the church were arrested and put in jail from little babies to a 90-year-old man. Today, we still witness the ongoing domination of the world through violence. Several years ago, we heard the report from the CIA revealing that the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia ordered the murder of the Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi American journalists who criticized the royal family. In 2017, the dictator of North Korea, Kim Jong-un, ordered to kill his half-brother, Kim Jong-nam. Just this year, since the withdrawal of the U.S. troops in Afghanistan, 
the Afghan government quickly collapsed and fell to the Taliban that took over the city. And they started killing so many civilians, including women who fought to advance their rights. While the elderly kings and rulers attempt to maintain their kingship through the violence and threat and reward, the Gospel of John tells us of Jesus as our king, who is dressed in purple, robe and crown, wearing crown of thorns. And this is why Jesus is presented as a king only when he is about to be crucified on the cross. His kingship cannot be separated from the cross where he would die. I began my sermon this morning that we celebrate Christ King Sunday today. And the story about how this Christ King Sunday started would be a nice way to close my sermon this morning. After the end of the World War I, the nations were grieving over the loss of many lives. As government structures and institutions were left devastated, people were terrified. And that year, 1925, Benito Mussolini made a speech to the nation, chamber of deputies that served as a turning point for his regime of fascism. In the same year, the Ku Klux Klan held a march in Washington, D.C. that attracted 35,000 white supremacists. It was the year also that Hitler was building the Nazi party and established himself as a leader. In the words of Melissa Bixler, it was time that the future was very uncertain. And one month into the war, Pope Benedict XV began his papacy and appealed to all combatants to put an end at last to this horrible slaughter, which for a whole year has dishonored Europe, he said. So in 1925, Pope Pius XI the successor of Benedict instituted the Feast of Christ, the King, on the last Sunday of October in his response to growing secularism and nationalism. Pope Pius wanted to remind the church that God is the ultimate and true king over the history of nations. In the midst of a false allegiance, division, violence, and threat, we Christians are invited to acknowledge our allegiance with Jesus as our true king who forgives sinners, welcomes strangers, frees the hungry, and also who gives his life on the cross, bearing the sins and brokenness of this world. The king is coming, but he is not the kind of king or ruler that we admire in this world. He is a humble messiah, a king born in manger surrounded by the foreigners, shepherds, and animals. 
He's the kind of king who would go to the cross wearing a crown or thorns. This king does not order other people to go to battle and die for him. Instead, he dies for us so that we can have eternal life in him, overcoming the reign of death and violence in this world today. As the liturgical year comes to an end with Christ the King Sunday today, we are reminded that in the middle of the signs of sins and brokenness in our world today, God is in control, giving us the hope in the kingdom of God on this earth as we gather to worship. We all might have something going on in our lives, personal struggles and challenges and tribulations. But even on a personal level, the fact that we celebrate Christ King Sunday acknowledges that no matter what, God is in control. So I pray this morning that God opens our hearts and minds in this season so that we can humbly prepare the way for Christ to come and be the true king in our lives, in our church, in this world. Amen.